0: Two pitch. A swing
1: a Deep left. all right welcome back to the baseball america fantasy baseball podcast i'm your host jeff Ponce. i am here as always with my co-host and our lead fantasy analyst dylan white dylan what's going on man big big things happening out there in the world of baseball
0: yeah, 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 yeah. You buried the lead, and I can just see that you're itching to say it. You're wearing the the garb right now. Pure fluke, but uh, we'll get to that. Uh, you've got breaking news, big scoop. Very exciting, very exciting.
1: Yeah, I think by about uh, a minute or two, I was able to uh, break the news that uh, Grayson Rodriguez is joining the Baltimore Orioles in Texas. Uh Tomorrow, um, I am not confirmed yet as to whether he is starting the game tomorrow or if he'll be starting Thursday. Obviously, there was an injury to Kyle Bradish, um, which opened up a spot in the rotation for Grayson to get called up just six days after everyone was belly aching and pretty upset that he did not break camp, despite kind of a subpar performance in spring training and not a great first start in AAA with Norfolk last Friday. Uh, of course, that start, you know, to put things in context, it was raining a little bit. Taj Bradley, uh, who was his opponent as the starter for Durham, didn't look great either. Um, so, you know, there might be some other reasons why he didn't look as good as he potentially could. Uh, but this is very exciting. One of the top pitching prospects in the game um, has been ranked, you know, the best pitching prospect in the game, just about, you know, kind of that triumvirate between him yuri perez and of course andrew painter who is actually baseball america's top pitching prospect one spot painter is five uh, as of right now grayson rodriguez is six and yuri perez i believe is seven if i'm not mistaken but um pretty exciting news i mean i'm i'm pretty excited for grayson if you roster him in any formats uh i think you know definitely worth sliding him into the starting lineup if you can maybe in a little bit shallower leagues 12 team maybe a little bit of a question I think it's still worth maybe rolling with him and seeing what happens um especially if you have the you know the spot on your bench and you have him rostered um there's probably not many guys on your bench that are better than Grayson in terms of stuff projection everything that could happen and it's just spring training stats so I wouldn't get too too worked up there he's had major league stuff for a few years now I thought when I saw him back in double A in 2021 and then when I saw him last year that this was a guy that potentially could have Pitched in the major leagues the last couple of years. I don't think there's any question about that. Deep arsenal, you know, upper 90s fastball with heavy bore, meaning it has ride as well as arm side run. Um, You know, really good curveball. He's got a great slider, excellent changeup. His changeup might even be his best pitch. Works in the cutter as well. Got a few different shapes. So it's a very interesting profile, a guy that can mix it up quite a bit. Um, Dylan, what's sort of your reaction here to the Grayson news? Is this somebody that, you know, you'd potentially be rolling out there and what sort of formats would you be maybe hesitant to put them out there? in? I
0: don't think I'd be hesitant in any of them. So I'm in a couple OCs uh, in NFBC, which is 12 teamers. I'm in a main, which is 15 teams and no one dropped him um, after the news. So he's still rostered on all the teams that originally drafted him. Whereas like one team dropped Tristan McKenzie, because they don't want to wait the, Six to eight weeks for him. Mondesi was dropped everywhere. I mean, that makes some sense. So, I mean, people believe in Grayson um, if they held on. And, yeah, I guess it just means roll him out. I have a question for you. He pitched about 80 innings last year. He's being called up now, first week of April, basically. How many innings do you think he's going to go? Do you think Do you think he's going to be sent back down if Bradish is not injured for long or injured at all, or is, is he going to stay up the entire year? Some projection systems have like 120 innings, um, but that was also without knowing when he'd be up. So they may have been splitting the difference there. So what do you think? How many innings do you think he'll go this year?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on the severity of the injury to Braddish. Um, it wouldn't be shocking to see 120, 130 innings. I wouldn't expect a George kirby s sort of bump where he adds 100 innings onto his total year over year, which is what Kirby did in 2022 uh, over 2021. I don't think we'll see something like that, um, but I do think they'll pick their spots with him. Uh, you know, a, a phantom injury, maybe a demotion if the Bradish injury isn't um, too severe, but I think the opportunity is, is clearly there. And as we've seen with prospects like this, if they, you know, sort of grab the bull by the horns, you know, uh, take the reins, whatever cliche you want to throw in there, uh, takes the ball and runs with it, whatever it is. Um, he's a guy that, you know, probably will stay up, and you know, maybe, maybe they'll have him on a a pitch limit, a pitch count. Um, could be eighty to one hundred pitches in, in certain instances, um, but if he's healthy and he's pitching well he's probably going to challenge a little bit of that as well. So there's a lot of excitement right now. I think with any rookie pitcher, regardless of how talented they are, there's always some question as to how many innings and how effective they're going to be. I mean, you can even go back to someone like Clayton Kershaw, one of the greatest pitchers of a generation was pretty rough his rookie year. So, you know, there's always sort of limited sort of tempered expectations for me with any of these sort of players, but uh, it's obviously very exciting news. And uh you know, I was, I was happy to have my, my small role in all this, I
0: suppose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that is not why we're here. We have some news. We're going to get into our breakout teams. Uh, if you're looking at the Baseball America website, uh, Dylan, myself, as well as Matt Eddy put out our breakout teams. Uh, Matt and I did this exercise la- last year. I think Matt had done it in previous years. Before that, we brought Dylan into the fold because when you have somebody of uh, Dylan's quality – You want to make sure that you bring him into exercises like this, you know, so he's going to throw some darts out there, probably nail a couple of future top 100 types. That's really what we're gunning for here. Um, We'll get into that in a little bit. We do have some other news that I think is relevant to redraft as well as dynasty. The first one is you had mentioned this to me before we got on air. It's not a game that I was watching, but Kenta Maeda has a potential arm injury. You said you were watching, and then he actually got off the mound sort of shaking his arm, which, if you know Kente Maeda's uh, recent arm injury history and time missed, that's not a great sign. So anything you're hearing, sort of what did you see? And uh, if so, what are some, some alternatives for Maeda if he is on the IL for an extended period of time?
0: Yeah, I was watching the game because I have him in a couple of leagues, those same leagues I was just talking about, and I wanted to see how he's going to do in his first major league start after the, the Tommy John. Um mean, he looked good. It is the Marlins, so take it with a grain of salt. I think he had eight, nine strikeouts in maybe five innings. I can't remember exactly. Uh, he gave up a, a home run to Abyssal Garcia, but he was looking good. And then I changed the channel, and then oh, my phone started blowing up. And it was like, Kenta Maeda leaves with apparent arm injury. Um, so, yeah, he left the game shaking his arm. And that is never, you know, doesn't bode well when you're coming off of a major arm injury. Um, so, yeah, I'm a bit worried. Uh, it's it could be either a catastrophic season-ending thing, or maybe it's just a little. He's being tentative because any little tweaks that he feels he's he's going to be extra cautious. Um, if he's injured for any period of time, I expect it's Bailey Ober, um, who many people thought should have made the staff anyway. Um, so I'm sure he's ready to go. He's uh, you know a good option for sure. I would I would pick him up in in the 12 teams and 15 teams if he's not taken. I, I he's available in many of mine because he was in the minors and it didn't seem like there was any opening, but now with this opening, I think he's someone to take and stash.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if um, Dylan Dodd is sort of floating around on your waiver wire, he might be an interesting uh, potential add. Um, You know, I know that he got through five at least while we're recording this, Uh, having only given up a run, had six hits, three strikeouts, no walks, um, 73 pitches through five. innings, so he was fairly efficient throwing a lot of strikes. He was a guy that Baseball America had within the top 10. Kudos to Carlos Colazzo, uh, who's sort of beating the drum on Dodd. I think we had him higher than a lot of other places. I had nothing to do with that, so I want to give props to my teammate, Carlos, who does excellent reporting in the draft, but also on the Braves organization as he does those for the handbook. Um, I think he might be sort of an interesting name to potentially go after. Anybody else that's sort of floating around there that's caught your eye over the first couple of days? I know we haven't had sort of a full slate of – rotations go through yet. We may not even see that until like the end of the month where there's some teams that don't necessarily need five men at this point, but there's there anybody that's maybe waiver wire material. That's that you've that's caught your interest um or somebody that you potentially would go after in mixed leagues. Uh
0: No, I I, I like the Dodd one because uh, he's stymieing the, the Cardinals and the Cardinals have like a 250 WRC plus or whatever, after they uh knocked my Jays around. <laughs> um, I was actually looking at it today deeper because I'm trying to find, who, I need some pitching in some of these leagues. And uh, even though Shintaro Fujinami and Cutter Crawford both got rocked um, in their starts, they, their stuff plus wasn't so bad. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm keeping an eye on them. I'm, I'm not quite there yet uh, to pick them up, but there's some people I'm having a, my eye on. I know uh, Jared Schuster got sent down after his start. That's why Dodd's pitching now. Johnny Brito, of the Yankees got sent down as well. He would have been an option, and uh, Clark Schmidt, if he's available, people also were sour on his start, and they, I think they dropped him. But his stuff plus was pretty solid too. So I, I think it's like these these guys where they people get uh, frustrated with the performance, but if you look under the hood, they're actually not so bad. I, those are you know the great pickups that you can you can earn a lot of surplus value from.
1: You're, um, yeah. you're
0: shaking your arms in uh, in in excitement. What's that about?
1: <laughs> uh, that was the that was when I got the uh, the Jeff Passen bump. So uh, <laughs> that was why that just came through on my uh, my text message. So I had to had to shake up that one. Uh, you know? behind the curtain. Yeah, you know, um, um there you go. From uh, from humble fantasy vlogger to a guy that's broken some nudes, and I thought, uh, I
0: thought you were cheering my insight. And no, it's I not. was. I was also <laughs> awesome cheering your
1: insight. Another guy that actually looked pretty good for me today, and it's the Reds. So who knows? Louis Sesa did not look too bad uh, against the Cubs, sort of opposite Hayden Wesneski. Um, not a lot of strikeouts, but um, sort of limited hard contact. And I, you know, I think if you're in a really deep league, NL only league, like. I'm watching more and more NL games because I'm in the NL-only Labor League and I, I'm helping out uh, Gray with his, his NL-only league. So I've kind of been watching more NL games, kind of getting into the NL-only players' mindset. And I was like, hmm, Louis is not owned in most of those leagues and, or rostered and could potentially be kind of an interesting one. So I'll throw that one out there as well for your very deep leaguers. I have him in my 30-team league. Uh, because I, I have the Reds, and we now have to roster at least three uh, three players from our real-life organization, and finding a bunch of talented Reds is not necessarily always the easiest thing to do. Um, so I do have him. I actually took him at our auction at like a dollar. So uh, he was one that I had my eye on as well. But some sad news. Let's move on to some sad news. Lars Neutbar, uh hits the IL, unfortunately. Juan Yepes is up. Are you grabbing Yepes in, in any formats at this point? Because there's a chance that he could have been dropped after he was uh, demoted um, sort of, you know, to start the season.
0: I actually think I might pick up Dylan Carlson. Um, I think he – I know Yepes is starting now in the first game. Uh, but he's going to be dh Carlson batted second – uh, he's gonna get, you know, he's probably gonna get the bulk of that outfield time. I, I don't think it's gonna be Epez or Burleson getting most of it. I think it'll be Carlson kind of sliding in, and if he runs with it, which is what I was hoping for this year, he was kind of a guy I thought would be a sneaky pick um, until Newbar started to be everyone's favorite at the WBC. Um, yeah. Dylan Carlson, he was dropped, I know, in a couple of leagues because exactly of the new bar stuff and he wasn't playing. And when he was, he was batting low in the lineup. But now this might be a chance for him to show something in the next one to two weeks. And so I kind of like Dylan Carlson of all those options of Yepes or Burleson.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think I agree with you there, too. You know, I I think if you're looking for someone who maybe has a corner infield eligibility, um, you know, they're. There's some interest there with the um, but anyway, we're talking about injuries. Too many of them. Unfortunately, Brett Beatty potentially went down with a thumb injury today. This isn't great news. I have him rostered all over the place. After watching him this first weekend in Worcester, he was tearing it up, made some great plays defensively, had, I think one game where he got on base five or six times. Uh, went four for four in that game, had two different home runs, both off of left handers, which is definitely an issue for the Mets. They've struggled against lefties early in the season. Um, there's going to be imaging down in the thumb. I believe that he had an injury on this thumb as well last year. Let's hope and pray, keep our fingers crossed, no pun intended, that it's not anything for Beatty. And it's just sort of a tweak, no big deal. Just they're, you know, it's precautionary. They're just trying to make. I want this guy up in the major leagues. I think the Mets need this guy up in the major leagues. The pitching isn't going to be an issue I'm for the Mets. Hitting, they could use a little bit more firepower, and I think that Beatty is a guy that could potentially bring that. He had a great spring training. I don't think anybody that watched that team didn't think he wasn't the best, you know, third base option. But I can understand some of the things that are around there and the moving parts, all that sort of stuff. You know, roster management is much more complex than what we want in our hearts for our fantasy teams. Um, Any sort of reaction here with Beatty? I guess we have to just sort of wait and see. It's just sort of news and he's not something that's necessarily going to hurt your lineup because he wasn't in it to begin with.
0: Yeah, no, it was a bit of uh, cold water for sure because Eduardo Escobar is not doing well right now. He has 41% strikeout rate. He's like hitting 063 or something like that with 67% ground ball rate. He's just not getting it done. And so I was looking everywhere for where Beatty was because I thought he's going to be up soon. And then this thumb injury news is definitely a splash of cold water. So, yeah, I guess it's wait and see. Hopefully, it's nothing. Um, hopefully, it's not a nagging chronic thing that's going to plague him for. The, the beginning part of his career. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, not the news you want to hear.
1: No. All right. These are the notes. These are the news items that we've already talked about. We're going to jump into our breakout team. This is the exciting part. All right. Sound effects. We need Welsh here to put in some sound effects to make us really glossed up and fancy. All right. I'm going to throw up my first sort of breakout player of the year. This is a cheapie. This is an easy cheapy because I think this guy's going to be in our top 100 by opening day. Ethan Salas of the San Diego Padres. I mean, he's been the talk of the camps in Arizona. 16 years old. This guy is younger than some of the bat boys out there. And he's catching games in the backfield for veterans like you Darvish and um, uh, Joe Musgrove. Um, and handles it perfectly well, had a double off of George Kirby. I think he had a triple um, as well in one of those games off of Brian Wu. So some quality pitchers that he's hitting. He's 16 years old. If you watch the, he got into a major league game as well, which is unheard of. You watch this guy just in terms of the defensive skills, because I think this all kind of factors into it as well. Receiving is super smooth. It's a great arm and talking to some scouts that had seen him, and then some that had actually worked on the international side that I was hanging out with in Florida that had scouted him years ago were like 55 hit, 55 power projection, 70 catcher, you know, receiving, you know, blocking, etc. 70 arm. That is a legitimate player. You know, we're going to get a lot of hyperbole on Ethan Solis, I think, coming up. Um, but he's not in the top 100 yet, so of jumped on that one and we've had some other great names that are in there go and check those out in terms of the catchers that are in there i'm not going to spill the beans you're going to have to go and go behind the paywall and read that on baseball america this is just a teaser uh but i'm not telling anybody anything they don't know is ethan solace is making a whole lot of noise he's really interesting i mean granted it is a 16 year old and it's a catching prospect so how excited can you sort of get about that dylan in fantasy am i wrong like you got to temper our expectations. Know. In real life, it's very exciting. For fantasy, it's like there's
0: some there's some risk there. Yeah, you definitely have to wait three or four years at least. Um, but it could be well worth the wait from everything we're seeing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, we're going to have some more reporting on Solace from Josh Norris, who saw a bunch of Solace games and opportunities out there, talked to a ton of scouts. Of front office folks out in Arizona while he was out there, or Bear-Arizona, as he likes to call it. Um, so there you go, Ethan Sallis, sort of the first name we're going to have on this breakout list. Next one is actually on your team, and I believe he's on Matt's as well. He is the de facto first baseman on both of your teams, but sort of an infielder here that's going to represent the infielders. Tyler Locklear, uh, a player that I saw quite a bit in Orleans, he was kind of a one two tandem with chased a lotter throughout uh, the summer of 2021 for the Orleans Firebirds. Really interesting lineup that year. Um, what do you like about Lockyer? I think we actually have talked about him previously on the uh, first base pro- uh, um, fantasy ranking podcast. They get all that in.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's the massive power. And then the surprising good contact as well. I think what I talked about in the first base positional ranks was that If you plot my favorite plot which is contact rate on one and then uh, exit velocity or hard hit rate or barrel rate on the on the other if you find the clusters in the top right where they're marrying the the contact with the contact quality um he's right up in the top right for low a he was clustered with cunier caminero james wood jackson merrill like all the the usual suspects that we're all talking about as being uh excellent um sluggers and uh, wide open futures for them. And uh, Tyler Locklear popped up. And so I I dug into him. I looked at some of the stack cast and uh, just extremely intriguing. So he's my pick. I'm glad Matt Eddie picked him as well. So I'm validated there. Um, Yeah. He's my pick for the infield.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very good pick as well. Um, Somebody that you said has that, that balance of contact, swing decisions, as well as power, he's a big boy. He's played some third base. I think he's probably going to end up at first base if you've watched him enough. Um, I know Mason McRae, who was involved with that VCU program. His father was actually a pitching coach while Tyler Locklear was there. Big lock guy. Um, and I can say assuredly, having got my eyes on him, that there is legitimate power. It was a lot of fun to sort of watch the home run competitions that he and DeLauder would go on in batting practice back in the Cape in 2021. So you're bringing me back to a special place, Dylan. So I appreciate that as well. Um, Moving on, a player that I saw in Florida over the last couple of weeks, I just talked about him with JJ. And we got some great feedback from scouts that were down there as well. Um, Drew Gilbert was arguably – the best player that I saw on the backfields. Um, He was the first round pick. I think it was pick 29 because it was at the end of the first round by the Astros last year Um, out of Tennessee kind of all remember the viral moment where he got kicked out of, um, you know, college world series, a regional game. And, you know, he kind of had that like huge, like Pikachu look on his face. Like, what are you doing? He was arguing balls and strikes and they booted him Um, really fiery player. I was really impressed. Um, Their speed there. He's got a great arm. He was a two-way player as an amateur before he went to Tennessee. Has that in the outfield. Can play center field. I don't think he's not going to be like a 70 center fielder. You know, we're, we're not talking about someone like that. But I think he's somebody that's maybe a 55, potentially a 60. He moves pretty well. He knows the position well. But the reason he's here and the thing that sold me the most is a short, compact, quick, left-handed swing. He's got plate coverage. And, man, he has the ability to adjust the barrel. Um, got a pitch in the inner half on his hands. It was like the f- third pitch that I saw him get on the backfield. And he just smacked this thing pull side. Um, I think it was off of like a 95 mile per hour fastball. just turns on it and, you know, deposit it into, you know, over the, you know, the right field wall, um, next at bat, got a breaking ball sort of, you know, drops the back leg a little bit, adjust the barrel and, you know, smacks that thing up the middle for a hard hit single, um. Walk a couple other times or speed on the base paths. He's a really exciting player. And he's one of these guys that kind of plays with his hair on fire. If you like that expression, maybe you don't. Um, You get what I'm saying. This is a guy that is high energy. Definitely somebody that I think is going to be within the top 100 fairly soon. It wouldn't shock me if he's somebody that moves on. We're going to have a lot of graduations, it looks like, over the next couple of weeks. Um, just for the amount of prospects that broke camp with their teams already had some service time. I think as we're recording this, uh, Gunner wasn't in the lineup, but there was a chance that he was going to graduate tonight because he only needs three more at bats until he graduates. And I think at this moment, I have to double check on how many at bats Corbin Carroll got today, but it's about four or five more at bats he needs before he graduates. So more of these guys are going to be graduating Volpe, of course, is going to graduate. Jordan Walker is probably going to graduate, et cetera, et cetera. So there's going to be a lot of guys, a lot of movement on the back end of our top 100 list, especially before we fully update it in May uh, with you know all the team rankings getting updated. So Gilbert, to me, is a guy that's really interesting. Um, I almost wish I was a little bit more bullish on Gilbert during the FYPD season. But I think if we're going to look back in a few years, we're going to see this as one of the better – FYPD draft strictly for fantasy because of the amount of good hitters and sort of ready-made Japanese players, Yoshida, Sanga, who both looked pretty good in their debuts as well, not to bury that lead. Um, he's a really interesting player. I think in some other classes, maybe this year's class, he might have stuck out a little bit more than he did. It's kind of funny that he dropped as much as he did, but, uh, and you got to, you know, trust the, the Astros development, I and mean, they've gotten a lot out of pretty good, you know, pretty sort of, fringy sort of prospects as amateurs that they've turned into decent everyday players. So, uh, and they've done well with the guys that, you know, had a lot of stock, whether it was Alex Bregman or Kyle Tucker, I know it's a different organization, but a lot of the same folks that are still involved with player development and such over the last few regimes. So not a lot of questions there for me. I don't know if you have any sort of thoughts on Drew Gilbert at all.
0: No, I think he he nailed it there for sure. I'm just itching to talk about my guy. My there. Let's kick I, it
1: over to you. You got a couple, but Yasser Mercedes is one that you were really exciting about, excited about. So talk me a little bit about Yasser.
0: Yeah. I, I, I started talking about him last year near the end of the season, before the season ended uh, when I was back at prospects live. It's just, he signed for a lot of money at the international class. He's just above average tool grade across the board. And he started to turn it on uh, results wise. So we have him as best defensive outfielder tools Uh, in the the twins team, he's got 55s across plus a 60 uh, run tool, uh, run, yeah, run tool. It's just excellent, uh, all around package. He's got the physique, he's got the athleticism, he can, he can slug and swing or he can, he can do contact or make contact if he needs to. Um, He's going to come stateside. And I'm very, very excited about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's not a player that I've seen a ton of, but um, I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, he's one of these guys that I've heard a lot of good things about. I've heard good things from scouts as well and from folks internally in the organization. So I, I like that pick a lot. And uh, I know he's a guy that you've been kind of beating the drum on. So interesting to see how Yasser Mercedes looks. I want to just say Yass, like not Yass, but like Yass. Like, but I'm not, I'm not nearly like uh, fancy enough to say yes and a yes 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 queen in a fancy sort of way um <laughs> that was that was cringy i know uh dylan beavers is another guy that i saw on the cape um interesting player i know that you have him as well sort of you know within your breakout team i thought this was another great pick he was a guy that i had considered as well and we gotta love those orioles prospects the way that they've developed guys uh over the last couple of years especially this profile so Talk to me a little bit about what you like about Dylan Beavers.
0: Yeah, again, it's athleticism and tools. He's like sixty power. He's sixty speed. He can play defense. And so the question is, can he can he actualize the hit tool? If he can, if he can hit, even just getting a forty five hit tool, or if even a fifty, he'd just be a monster, especially in fantasy. And uh, what we saw with the Orioles in his professional debut was his contact and his chase rates were great, sort of unexpectedly great. When i do those plots i'm talking about he was just popping up on the top right and i'm like whoa i didn't even realize how good he is like you see dalton rushing we all know how how great dalton rushing was but then uh dylan beavers wasn't getting nearly as much buzz his his results weren't as strong and otherworldly as dalton rushing but like under the hood it was almost as good so it's a pick based on stack cast it's a pick based on tools it's a marriage of the two the professional development uh, player development of the Orioles organization is definitely up there um, recently. And I'm just all in. It seems like a a, a well-rounded low risk because of all those factors I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when we look at the guys, Jonah Westberg, Gunnar kind of falls into this as well. I would argue Heston Kerstad, though we haven't really seen the. I, I'm going to see some of him. On Thursday, actually, an opening night uh, with double A, I'm really excited going out to Hartford to, to check out the Bowie team. I always say Bowie because I want to say like David Bowie, but it's Bowie. Uh, I have to remember like Bowie knife. Got to remember that. Anyway, um, I'm excited to, to see some of these guys. And I think Beaver's not on that team, but sort of fits into that profile where it's pretty good swing decisions. The power is definitely there. He has defensive abilities that. Well, you think he's a center fielder or corner outfielder, whatever. I mean, he's he's going he's gonna to play a defensive position. It's not a no position sort of guy. And then it's just a matter of, like, improving the contact. I know, I've read a few different articles that have come out from some great sources out there. You can go and check them out. I, I have to remember, I'll maybe add the tweets and, or the links into uh, the description here. But he's a guy where they did a lot of offseason work in terms of, like, what they're doing with like with posture and some of those things. They're a big blast motion, blast metrics focused team, the Orioles. And I think that they use that stuff, um, you know, to their benefit probably as well as any team. It's funny that I was talking to an Orioles guy years ago about Josh Young when he was still a prospect, it might have been 2019, 2020. And they were saying, hey, like, we've seen some of the blast motion data. And there was this particular marker called early connection. And it was a matter of, like, where you connect with the ball. And he let the ball really travel. So one of Young's issues was he had all this raw power, but he was constantly getting to it at a place where it led to a lot of center oppo sort of contact. And they were like, they can get him a little bit, you know, connecting a little bit earlier with the ball and get out in front a little bit more. There is a number here that you can adjust and get this guy to get into his pull side power. The Rangers ended up doing that. And we've sort of seen those results over the last couple of years. When Young's been on the field, he started out pretty well. Uh, So far with the Rangers. We'll see him against Grayson potentially uh, (laughs) the next couple of days. But when I hear stuff like that, when it's not even about their own players, it's like, all right, this is an organization that gets it. And I think that the track record recently is, particularly with with the positional players that they brought into the organization within this regime and what they've gotten out the other side, it's easy to trust that. So I think Beavers is a great pick. Let's go on to uh, Colt Keith is one that was actually – featured within Matt Eddy's breakout team. Cause as I said, we have three breakout teams. Those are up in baseball America. Please go check them out. Colt Keith is a really interesting one to me because he's somebody that popped for me early last season prior to his injuries, because he sort of fell into my, my rule of threes when it comes to like, I, I break everything into threes. I don't know like what this is, but it, with hitting in with like fastballs and like pitch development, I kind of look at like three. different. I always have like this three thing, like you check three boxes and with hitters, it's contact, it's swing decisions, and it's, it's power. And he checked all three boxes with, you know, average or better contact, average or better swing decisions, above average or better power. It's a big boy. He's listed as a shortstop. I don't think there's any chance this guy ever plays shortstop. I don't even know if he's going to play third base. He might. The arm's pretty good. But the bat plays. This is the kind of profile that even if he moved across the diamond at first base – I think it works because he's got power. He's got contact. Good, you know, good swing decisions. It all work comes together. Saw him out in the fall league. He got good reports. I think this is a great pick for Matt. Um, he'd probably be on like he probably is on my personal top 100. I have to go back and double check. I don't keep put every single guy to memory. Back into my top 100, this is definitely somebody that I'd be taking a, sh- a chance on because I think that Colt Keith is a legitimate prospect, and he kind of fits that niche. If he's like perfect for fantasy because he kind of checks all those different boxes, if you know what I'm talking about.
0: No, for sure. He's another guy that uh, popped up for me last year. And then the injury, I guess he had an injury and missed the last half, but he was one of the top prospects uh, production-wise, 20-year-old at high A for Detroit. It was just, uh, yeah, he was off the charts. So looking forward to see what he does this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's move on to some arms here. Matt had another great arm, one of my personal cheese balls. I kind of like was like like we talked about some breakout pictures after and I had already picked mine and I already had my first cheese ball in there, which is Cooper Jerpy. That's not going to surprise anybody. Of course, I'm going to I'm going to get as much blood out of this stone as I possibly can. I am going to get as much out of the Cooper Jerpy hype prior to hopefully a great season here in 2023. I think he's breaking camp with high AP Aurea. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think I'm breaking any news there. Um, That's Marco Raya. I saw this guy last April with Fort Myers in Dunedin. It was one of the best pitching performances that I've seen over the last couple of years, Pitched six innings um, just absolutely shoved. It was the first night of the pitch clock and he was absolutely using it to his full advantage. It's an above average, maybe plus fastball mid nineties. He's got bore on that thing. So it's one of those fastballs again with ride and run, which I think is the optimal shape in my personal opinion. Um, a little bit shorter, so he's got like decent plane on it as well. Um, he's got a really good sweepy slider. He's got a good changeup as well. And he mixes in a curveball, which is kind of like a you know, two-plane breaker that's kind of a, a blend of that sweeper with a little bit more drop. Um, he's got pitchability. It's really just been a health thing with him because he's a little slight, he's not the biggest guy. He was drafted out of high school in 2020, Texas high school, believe in the fourth round. Um he was really young. I think he was 17 at the time of the draft. So he was eligible really young. I think he's really good. I'm excited for Marco Raya with all these pitching prospects sort of knock on wood that they stay healthy and we get to sort of see what they look like. But um, if Raya's out there and gives us 120 innings this year, I think there's a solid chance he's going to be in the back in the top 100 lists. I've even had some. Front office folks recently say that he is a guy that uh, they tried to target in trades with the Twins last year and that the Twins, frankly, weren't interested in giving them up. And I think that's something that you hear from front office types. I actually had someone with the Twins say this to me as well, um, that teams will tell you who they think your best prospects are. And uh, that was a response when I asked about Marco Rea. So that kind of gives you all you need to know there. Um, Another pitching prospect that I'm really into is Justin Robleski. Uh, He is a left-handed pitcher out of Oklahoma State. I believe it was an 11th rounder in 2021 um, with the Dodgers. Surprise, surprise. Really good low to mid-90s fastball. Got a couple of breaking balls that are pretty good. Um, Slider as well. It's another one of these arms from the Dodgers pitching factory. That shouldn't be a shock. He's somebody that Josh saw in the backfields, was raving about, had some good video. He's going to be writing about him in a forthcoming article later this week that you're all going to want to check out and tease that a little bit and i know that keith law actually wrote about him as well on the athletic so uh he's getting a little bit of love a little bit of bump um but he's somebody that i'm very interested in i had you know one of my contacts is a really smart analyst that was putting me on to him last year and then again when he heard josh was going out to arizona he was like make sure that he checks out robleski so that that is W R O B L E S K I. It's Justin' first name. Go and check him out. He's definitely an arm that, if you're in a deeper league and you got a, a spot to burn, a guy went on IL. You know, you're calling somebody up from the minors, something like that. He's definitely a name to check out. So I put that one out there. Did you have a pitching prospect that you wanted to throw out there, or do you want to sort of uh, wrap this sucker up? What do you say, Don?
0: Uh, I'll just say it now so that if uh, he hits, I can say, go back to that podcast on April <laughs> 4th, uh, Justin Campbell, of the guardians. Um, we have the NCAA data. I, he, he was kind of checking the stuff plus boxes. His changeup is uh, elite guardian pitching development. You know, we love that. Um, I'm kind of hoping he could be like the Tanner, Bibi, Bibi. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. Um, of last year. I think he's going to be at Lake County. He, uh, you know, first round supplemental pick for the guardians. We just love what they do with their development. So he's my pick for, uh, for a pitching breakout.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he's a guy that, um, you know, we were, we were pretty high on. coming into the draft as well. I'm just double checking on 27th overall is, uh, where we had Justin Campbell ranked. So, um, he was somebody that we were, we were sort of all in on, um, it's good stuff. Yeah. You know projectable type of 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 uh of arm uh, i think he was tri- twice drafted he might have been drafted by the astros back in 2019 as well I believe he was a two-way guy um and wasn't full-time pitching if i remember correctly up until last year um but as you said you know guardians guy six foot seven it's a big body um you know he went in the the first first round supplemental round for the guardians um, signed for 1.7 million dollars 37th overall pick really interesting player so i like that one quite a bit um that's our breakout teams at least in terms of what we're going to show you as i said you can go on see the full breakout teams from dylan myself as well as matt on baseball america go and check those out for sure We have every position listed, so we got catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, three outfielders, and five pitchers, as well as a DH. So go and check that out. I think it's worth your time. I'm going to throw this one out there to you, Dylan. Which prospect, because this is the last podcast we're recording before the full minor league season gets started, which is technically on Thursday, tomorrow. Which prospect are you most excited to watch this year and sort of follow along with? Sort of who's your personal cheese ball for 2023, Dylan?
0: I I'm going to cheat a bit and and go with a guy in AAA. So I already have seen him play and he already has a stolen base. So I'm very excited about that. That's Francisco Alvarez speedster, Francisco Alvarez. I'm just joking. Um, He does have a (laughs) stolen base though. He he's my pick. He's the guy who on my, my spreadsheet shows up as like the highest peak projection for WRC plus. He's so young. He's just going to have a massive career. I think I can't wait to see him crush um, He has a home run already. He's going to be up with the Mets at some point during the year. Uh, if they're in a playoff hunt, which I believe it seems likely they will be, he's going to be right in the thick of that, I believe. Um, yeah, I'm just very excited about this kid, and I just want to see him kind of actualize all the things that I've been hoping for. Who's your yeah. pick? Who's your cheese ball?
1: Yeah, I'm going to throw this one out at you. He's going to be in an article I'm doing, I think, for early next week, which is going to be – Listed like twenty to twenty-five pitcher breakouts to sort of follow potential pitcher breakouts to follow. Right-hander from the Boston Red Sox. That is Louis Perales. Um, We've gotten some really good reports on Perales. Um, You know, up to ninety-eight miles per hour. It's a power curveball. Really good changeup. Um, super athletic. Sort of an overhand delivery. I mean, the curveball that he has is in like the the mid low to mid eighties. It's pretty legit. Um, has feel for the breaker and the changeup. Um, people think he's a starter long-term uh, he sort of started to learn how to pitch last season uh, late in the year stopped nibbling a little bit which happens with a lot of young guys they don't want to sort of mainline stuff and really started to go after guys and throw strikes because he has that level of stuff um, this could be a pitching prospect that the Red Sox haven't had in quite a long time um, I think the upside here is tremendous he is definitely going to be an arm that if you're tuned into MILB and you see him on the slate, I would make a note, put in a reminder in your ICAL, let the alarm go off 15 minutes ahead of time, tune into the MILT, MILB TV and watch it because it's electric stuff. He's going to be really exciting. He's somebody that I'm probably most excited for. I love to watch pitchers. You know, I follow the hitters. I feel like I see the hitters from following all these, these pitchers. But when I sit down, if there's you know rain out here or – there's no games locally and I'm in the house or it's been five days at the ballpark. And my wife's like, Hey, you've been at the ballpark for five days. You, you gotta be at home tonight, Jeff. It's uh, one of those times where I tune into MLB TV and I'll look at the slate and just say, all right, what, what pitchers are going, who do I want to tune into and, and, and kind of keep it, you know, listed of like, all right, these are the five guys going to be tuned into. There's a game at six. You've got another one at eight. You got one at nine, another one at 10 o'clock in the West coast or I can bounce around and kind of see a few of these starts. And the great thing is now with the pitch clock that if you kind of devote an hour to each one of those starts, you're going to see most of the start. So, you know, that's, that's not too bad. And, you know, sometimes I'll catch it a little bit late, start the game late and then sort of jump through the commercial or jump through the half inning or whatever and get back to it. But um, yeah, so I'm really excited for him. I got about another 20 arms that I'm excited to watch. We already <laughs> talked about one of them, Marco, Mark Rye, we talked about Roblensky. So, you know, there's definitely a lot going on. I'm excited for the minor league season to start up. This is what I live for. Um, and we're going to have a lot of cool content coming out as we have some actual games, some actual meat on the bone to dig into. You're going to get to doing your thing with with the Robo Scout, et cetera, and all that sort of thing. So it's a lot of fun. I can't wait to get rolling, man. It's going to be a big season here at Baseball America. Uh, on the prospect side of things, and the college side of things, the draft side of things, but also on the fantasy side of things, I think for the first time, that's because we have Dylan on board. And uh, once again, I want to thank you for coming on board because it's been a lot of fun working with you throughout this offseason, getting our rankings up and looking forward to, you know, what kind of stuff we can do in season as well. Any final thoughts, Dylan, before we rack this sucker up?
0: I ran RoboScout for AAA right today just to see... What it's spitting out, and the number one guy in AAA is Vaughn Grissom. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna ruffle some feathers. <laughs> Shocking! A, major, a, a guy who should be in the major league is number one. Well, there you go. It shows that the tool works. But uh, that's great stuff. We're gonna have a lot more of that coming. Thanks for tuning in again, and uh, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast as always. Thanks for tuning in.